Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. So how's being home alone? That's great. Yeah? Yeah, it definitely takes some getting used to, but I mean, getting to spread out a little bit here is nice because I I'd, I'd basically relegated myself to the bedroom while she was at work just to not interrupt. Mm-hmm. And now I can just like be out wherever I want which is weird because I've also been going for more walks. So it's hmm. like, I have this whole place to myself. Let me leave. It's very weird. Yeah. Here. <laughs> it's weird to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny because I had something very similar happen this weekend too. My parents uh, went to their, like, they have like a camper that's stationary. Like it's an RV that they park up here for the winter and then they drive it down to this lake in Georgia um and they had to go take care of that so they're like hey do you mind just watching the house for a couple days i was like that's great because i was relegating myself to my area of the house yeah for a while and then they left and it was just like really nice to spread out um and like watch the tv because i've just been watching stuff on my laptop like she she left on sunday the first thing i did was rearrange the whole living room (laughs) You're gonna have to send me a picture of that. I want to see what the uh, living room looks like now. Oh, I, th- I think it, I think it looks better. We we actually been talking about like something something's off with the space here. We should try to find another another arrangement. Mm. So I just started playing around with stuff, and I think I think we found a good one. Think you nailed it. Yeah, I think I think it's good. Good. Uh, up a little bit. Yeah, it was funny because I was telling Casey, I was like, you know, I think I really like being alone. Like, I never got the opportunity to live alone. I've always lived with people. Yeah, same. Actually, um, this is my first time by myself in that like, capacity. Yeah. Uh, and she, lots I, of roommates. Yeah, it's always a roommate situation or like parents or family. There's always someone around. And, yeah. you know, when they do have those like quiet moments where like all oh, my roommates are out, like that is nice. But then you uh, like I tell Casey that I'm like, hey, uh, I think I like living alone. You know, it was like a really nice weekend to just have by myself. And she was having none of it. She was like, oh, well, you still yeah. move in in August. <laughs> like, you're... Yeah, I feel like that's how that conversation would go with Meg, too, where like, <laughs> you're like you know, this by myself thing, I'm really good at it. You're like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also really good at living with people, but yeah. this by myself thing is nice. I mean, I, I couldn't it's, do it. I, I, logistically, a little alone time. There's reasons Not why I've lived with people, but... Yeah. I also have half the stuff, although I guess a lot of the stuff is mine, or at least partially mine, shared property. Just start putting stickers on everything that's yours while she's around, just to confuse her. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> anywhere. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, I want to make sure that I know what's mine. <laughs> Yeah, just in case we stay together, but I live in a different apartment. I'm not saying it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, these are ideas. <laughs> I'm and also would... going to, re- we're going to go look for three bedrooms. So we have, uh, like, our own space and then, like, a common area. We, we had actually talked about that before, of getting at least a two-bedroom and just having, mm-hmm. like, a workspace. Mm, like an office or something. And, yeah, seeing how this has gone... I definitely wish we had held out for that. I mean, I love this apartment. I have nothing super bad to say about it, but like, I, I wish we had held out for a two bedroom just to have like a place to set up shop. 
yeah have a little like separate work area it's nice i mean that's what i like here is that like i have my laptop and i have this like fold-up table that i use as a desk for a time period and like if i have to do shows or something i have a blank wall behind me that like just kind of gives me a backdrop of nothing so no one's like looking into my apartment because apparently that's a big issue amongst all these online shows with comedians where they're just like i don't like how everyone could see my home (laughs) (laughs) and i get it you have to have a station like yeah no matter what prop your own station you have to curate your spot. Yeah, but like setting up this little table and stuff has like made me remember like, oh, like when I was a kid, I had a desk and that was what it was like delegated for. It was just that. Like I had a desk where I would do work. I would do my homework at the desk and it was desk. And I miss that. So when I do move in with Casey, I'm going to demand desks. Yeah. I've always had a desk, but I've probably like nearly never used it. Hmm. Like I, I always had one in my room growing up. I have one now. It's like where my desktop computer lives, but I'm not on my desktop a lot. So yeah, it's weird. It's a weird sensation. Like I've always had a, like a space. Then like my mom always complains, like yeah, you're real weird with it. You just always wanted like a like every part of your room had a specific zone. So like this is where all the books are, and this is where all like this is where the desk is. And that's the bed, and that's used for sleeping. And it's just like I had all these, like everything was segmented. I guess I have some unresolved OCD issues. You know, I, I was uh, a kindergarten teacher briefly, and one of the things mm-hmm. they told me when I was setting up the room is to like do it with that in mind. Hmm. Of like, this space is for reading. This space is for writing, and like having those spaces be clearly defined is apparently a big like ease on anxiety for for kids especially in kindergarten where they're very new to it but like just the idea of like I can walk in and if I'm in this spot this is what's going to be happening and like the mystery of it is gone so you're like way calmer that's interesting I guess it must be because my, my mom was a teacher so maybe she like instilled that in me and then complained about it later on no no, no. but you know who else complains our guest this week don't you that's think right. Big complainer, this one. That's how uh, I would describe her. I would also describe her <laughs> using nice words, but not now. No, not now. Right now, she sucks. Uh, we're talking, of course, uh, my dear friend and co-host of the Maybe Show, Spin the Freaking Wheel, Elena Clune is on this week. If you just call it the Maybe Show from now on. <laughs> it's the Maybe Show. Every every week, we get an email from Good Good saying, like, hey, guys, we're not opening yet. And I'm just, I like I just like that like, once a month we get a reminder, like, hey, no. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, st- we're still doing this. <laughs> just not now. So uh, she, she helps me run a show that was originally run in a kid's basement outside a temple. And then uh, his landlord found out he was running an illegal comedy show in his basement. So we had to stop doing the shows. So now it is on hiatus. Uh, but Elena is one of the funniest people I know in just also one of the first people that gave me like a very nice compliment when I uh, showed up in Philly. Oh, that faithful lucky. day. I don't think I've ever gotten one of those from her. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> nice. Like I remember doing a joke that I used to do where it was basically just a, a stream of consciousness trying to connect why I don't like wishing people happy birthday to the film Ghost Ship. 
it was it was, it was a fun ride, ride but like no one ever it never got the hit i thought it deserved and i got off stage doing that and i got like you know my chuckles at 1 30 in the morning at raven and i walked down and elena was like hey i like your comedy and I was like, you mean how I'm not funny? Thank you so much. And we became friends. <laughs> yeah, you were crushing it on the not funny side of this. <laughs> yeah, and I really, I really liked that. But Elena's a big, uh, a big fan of that style of like long-winded thing where like almost the punchline, the punchline itself isn't part of the joke. It's the journey to get there that's the joke. Oh, man. We had her on the house show that Meg and I do every summer at her parents' house. <laughs> Yeah. And it was so funny to me. And like, it was all these old people in like a secluded community. And like, they, like, they were, they were down for the jokes, but then there was a lot of performance stuff she was doing with her dog. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She liked the performance. Definitely threw them. And I thought it was the funniest possible thing that could happen in that moment. And like, I I was so happy watching her do that. She's fearless. I I love Elena so much that she'll just like go to a house show in the middle of like what like the Poconos. Yep. Uh, and just just call her shot like Faith Ruth, and then yeah. take out her dog. <laughs> I I loved, and like we we've actually had pretty good luck in three years of doing it with people not feeling out of their element regardless of mm-hmm. what their element is but i i was so just like in awe of watching her just still be herself in that situation mm-hmm. oh very- she's the best and honestly one of the more like we have guests on the show and a lot of times it's a lot of fun sometimes we get serious uh very very few times have i learned on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah if that makes I sense she came... and she one of her topics i mean we'll get into it on the show when we roll into it but holy shit yeah, she came she said prepared that... with like deep cut information prepared. on both of them actually like yeah and now... then it was one of those things where we did like with greg where it was just <laughs> he'll we'll, 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 greg's rolling with what he's doing and then we're just like uh, and here are things. Next topic. Yeah. And we're done. <laughs> That's right. Bye. <laughs> Although it works out a little bit different on the second one this time because <laughs> towards the end of Elena's topic, we lost her. <laughs> yes, we did. And leading to one of my favorite quotes of the show ever. You'll hear it when we go to the episode. So why don't we just go? Because I feel like we've been talking about desks for far too long. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, look out for that, that weird cut in the second half. Just know. We tried to get her back, and there was technical difficulties to that. So you'll hear a weird sound, and the episode continues. Don't be alarmed. But <laughs> now that you know that, we can jump into the episode. Here it is with Elena Kloon. Elena. Do you guys have listeners? How are you doing? Do we have listeners on this? What's your average? No, not, not, not live. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. I just want to know as little people as possible are yeah. listening to this. Oh, I, I want all the success for you guys. Guaranteed. Um, but I don't want people to hear not for this episode. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop my video. Everyone can still hear me, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Oh, what? We don't get I to I might come video? back later. What? No, it's just my, my computer keeps slowing down, so I'm going to try that for a little bit. Okay. 
I li- every, if everyone's on the computer, uh, the whole house shuts down. Last time oh. it happened, we had a blackout. <laughs> I'm doing an impression right now. You'll never know. Oh, man. Well, I have a ferret stealing a delightful Christmas ornament behind me. <laughs> oh, fucking come at it. <laughs> that Check one's that playing out. a glockenspiel. Goddamn ready is. Don't look at that one. <laughs> Don't look at that one. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell what that one is. Okay. <laughs> so this is the show. Welcome to sure, the show. Elena, how are you feeling? Oh. We're starting. How do um, you feel? How do you feel today? Pretty indifferent. Like I do every day at this point. How's your intern? Um, I had to let her go temporarily. Um, but oh, just, bummer. you know, just so she can kind of collect her uh, well-being. She'll be back like tomorrow. It's just really for the day. I think she's going to like go to the deli. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> hang out there. <laughs> she's just going to sit you gotta hang out at the deli on sometimes. the glass counter and, and yell at people probably. I it could be. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Is anyone else exhausted today? Yeah, I'm on day two of working in the morning, and it's like ruining me. Yesterday, I was all up and chipper when we were doing this, and today it is the full mm-hmm. opposite. Yeah, I, I can um, tell you're can, you're reclining a lot, which um, yeah. I am which, very reclined. I can, feel, I can feel your weak energy through the the Zoom. I mean, you back. I mean, we don't we don't hang out often, but if we did, you would know that my weak energy is my constant energy. I know that about you. I don't need to hang out with you to, to, to yeah. know that. <laughs> I am a prominent beta. But thank you for admitting it. Oh, I'm proud of it. That's a, yeah, that's an important step mm-hmm. in being a beta. That's how a beta doesn't become an alpha, but gets to be a little bit more of an advanced beta. So congratulations. I'm, I'm beta plus. Beta plus. Yeah, yeah. That's what Good they job, call it. <laughs> Sounds like there a you vitamin go. you take. Yeah. <laughs> I take beta plus. My knees hurt, so I take beta plus. <laughs> it still doesn't get women to talk. When it to rains, me, but... my joints ache. Right. Take beta plus. <laughs> uh, so, Elena, yes. you've been asked to do the show, uh, and every time we've asked you, you have rejected the feelings we've given you as. That homework. is not true. That was the first time. How do you feel? That was the first time you asked me. Like, first of all. <laughs> Like six months ago, and then you haven't asked me back since, fucking pricks. Um, but the first time, it's a pandemic. The first time, on. the feelings you gave me were literally like sad and happy. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do this show if you're not going to. You want me to put in the creative? You wanted energy? a challenge. You guys aren't going to put in the creative energy, so I rejected your offer. It's true. Well, it's okay. I, I know it's they fine. were specifically Whatever. worse than those two because. While I don't remember what they were, I remember your your first response was, those aren't even emotions. Oh, that is true. That is and, true. You guys gave me like, <laughs> words that I I never read in any book before. <laughs> yeah, when, when I had heard that... I, you I can't just reject them if you don't understand them. <laughs> I absolutely can. That's what most of America does with just about everything. So I can do that as my right. It does seem fair. <laughs> and also, when I looked at them again, I was like, she's right. Oh, yeah, it was, like, whimsy. I think it was, like, whimsy and, like, won't or something. 
I think, no, one of them was definitely aloof and you wrote oh, back. Right, oh, right. yeah, it was like aloof. It was like only words that like yeah. civil war poets use in like the 1860s to write about like how they miss butter and their wives. So I rejected and I stand by it. And then you gave me like elation and misery, which is like a step up, but that's basically, it's basically just saying like happy and sad. I mean, those are actual needed, emotions. That time. They are, they are, but I need, I need a little more from that. <clears throat> I mean, that's fair. And then we, we landed where we did today. And I, I'm exactly. just in, in a forest of everything here. Of I don't know what to do. And it's just so. Um, you know what I've started to do? Uh, writing them down. Uh, yesterday, we were, I wrote the emotions down and like thought about them before we logged on. And I got to say, it, it was better. <laughs> you know, I do that every time. Yeah. And this one is just boggling my mind i cannot cannot <laughs> I don't what, know. Are, what are you grasping well first of all do you guys want to do you guys want to announce what the emotions are i mean or do, you want me to do, do we doctor? now because now it feels forced now it just feels huh? like right i'll give you guys the floor i'll give you guys the floor i'll sit back <laughs> relax go ahead george why don't you uh find a good transition from being told directly to do it <laughs> um well, let me get out my Go ahead, uh, George. composition notebook really We're quick. We hear that? We hear that George, on the microphone. George, I didn't think this was going to catch you off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're talking about uh, worthy and worried, because who doesn't love an alliteration? Yeah. Um, did you write that down next to the, the emotions? I did. I Good. did. Yeah, if you could see the private text messages for the last two episodes where both of them are alliterative... It, it's just lots of exclamation points and high levels of excitement because he was able to put it together. I love that. I love that you guys are using strategies that uh, second graders are taught to. I mean, we haven't... But later, I'm going to throw you off the show and then throw you off a bridge. <laughs> you don't get to say that if I can't see you. Like, you're, you're <laughs> the cowardly lion behind the curtain, right? <laughs> That's how that movie works. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not how that movie went. That's what happened all. in that movie. The, the, wizard, the wizardly <laughs> lion. Oh, George is back. That's much better. Can you get a little closer? No, it's as far as the chair <laughs> goes. <laughs> all right. So, we're going to talk about, which one do we want to start with? You want to start with worried or or the other one that I've already forgotten? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thrilled to talk about both because... Um, the two subjects I've prepared have been things that I wanted to talk about for a long time, but no one talks to me. Um, so <laughs> this is a really important step for me. Um, All right. Elena, I mean, it's really, it's first. a matter of, do we want to start with the like kind of happy uplifting one or the, you know, um, unnerving one? I don't know what, unnerving one. what works for you. Do the unnerving one. Let's do unnerving. Do the unnerving? Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hit it, All right. hit it hard. I can I can do that. Okay, my adjective. No, that's not. Would you Would you call that my noun? My my feeling. <laughs> my, my feeling uh, that I've I've been given is worried. Um, uh-huh. Webster's Dictionary uh, defines worried as. Wait, hold on. Let me look it up. <laughs> uh, Anxious or troubled about actual or potential problems. Okay. Um, so that said, I would like to talk about Walter Murch. 
who is a, who is a um, uh, critically acclaimed film editor, uh, sound mixer, um, did movies like American Graffiti, Godfather, Godfather Part Two. I think he skipped Godfather Part Three. Everyone skipped three. <laughs> Some other fucking movie about dudes with like huge necks and gambling problems. Um, he won like okay, he won like five Academy Awards within like seven years or something. Like he was top dog. Like if you if you wanted your movie to sound tight, like this was the this was the dude you got. Um, and then in 1985, for some reason, he was like, I'll show you, even though, like, everyone was like, we're, we're a fan. We've given you awards. Like, we love you, dude. He was like, I'll fucking show you what I'm <laughs> capable of. And then he went on to direct Return to Oz, um, which is the, the main oh. subject I want to talk about. I know we, we riffed a little bit on Wizard of Oz briefly. That was mm-hmm. my um, but we want, foreshadowing. We want that sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn to Oz wild. Yeah. So you've seen the flick? I have. George? I have not, but I know um, I'm aware of it. Yeah. You're about to get more aware. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I, a I, lot I, more aware. That story. I didn't even know that he was the director of it. So any information you have, I'm, I'm in. Let's go. I'm going to give you as much information as I can. Um, I think Read at us the point, I'm, I'm the world scholar on Return to Oz. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, so Walter Murch fucking wanted to do this for some reason. I think because he wanted to like prove he could direct. Um, and Disney was like, all right, what ideas do you got? And like day one, he was like, how about an Oz sequel where everything is scary and kids run out of the theaters? And then that's what happened. Um, for those of you who don't <laughs> know about Return to Oz, it's like a it's a loose sequel to Wizard of Oz um, that was made like uh, 50 years later. Um, and it is uh, about Dorothy, but she's nine years old. So it's like. I it, It's dumb because i think it's an origin story but it also happens after uh the first story like she's nine years old but it happens after she's in wizard of oz which she's like 15 in that movie and like walter merge (laughs) walter merge is like yeah well you know like she had to be nine years old because if you got like an actual 15 year old girl you'd have to like cover up her developing breasts he says that (laughs) you have to cover up her developing breasts um and then she wouldn't look nine years old but like he doesn't answer the question as to like why she's nine years old (laughs) to begin with at all um and be older she should be older or it should be an origin story not like a return yeah you can't Uh, return the return to Two is really the problem of the of the title. <laughs> um, and Oz was already taken by a jail show. I mean, the jail show happened a little bit after, but everybody knew it was coming. You know, <laughs> they knew fifteen years in advance. <laughs> Classic. Um, so, did this movie happen like concurrently with Wicked? I ha- do not know any of the history on Wicked. Did Wicked come out in, like, the 2000s? I just mean that it's also a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. 
Oh, I don't know. I just thought that was about witches. I don't know. I have no idea. It's like the origin story of the Wizard of Oz witches. Okay. No, I think that's something that theater kids did. Um, it definitely this is. is. Like, yeah, this is not adjacent. Because I have too many of those friends. Yeah. Yeah. You should stop talking to some of them, probably. Um, Return to Oz focuses on Dorothy as, you know, as we have stated as a nine-year-old, um, but she's going through electric shock therapy. Um, this is the, really the, the main criteria of the exposition is just like the first 15 minutes, like you watch Dorothy just being like wheeled around in a, uh, like a hospital. What are those things? The little cars, <laughs> like, you know, the things you strap people on and, you know, you could drive them around. She's like in that for the first five minutes they hook her up and then she goes through like this whole vision of like getting thrown into a river and a ton of shit it's fucking terrifying um and uh basically disney disney produced this movie like it is a disney um family film uh but like halfway through the production they were like we thought this was going to be a little different. We thought this was going to be <laughs> a little, little less death, maybe like a little less, um, like psychotherapy on a nine-year-old. Um, and Walt was like, "I don't know what you mean." I thought this was like the terms we agreed on, <laughs> and they like they fired him five months into shooting. Um, but like. Back then, in the in the seventies and eighties, like there was this thing you could do, where you just call your boys and they get you rehired again. <laughs> so he like calls up his boys, <laughs> and his boys are Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, and George Lucas. <laughs> so like his boys, some good boys. Yeah, they like march up to Disney and they're like, "Hey, we're the boys. You know us." get our get our boy merge back on back on set he's the dude and disney's like you guys made a really fucking compelling argument we'll take care of that for you so merch finishes the movie and it like plummets it's so fucking it's just everyone hates <laughs> it children are literally crying in the theaters everyone is mad at walter merch and this is where you start to feel kind of bad for him because like he was just a dude trying to take like a a different <laughs> spin on things i guess if you want to call it that because also like there was this weird climate in like 80s movies where uh even though like the economy was amazing and generally like if you think of 80s like you know pop music and like you know romance whatever uh movies you think of like happiness but there was also that like whole subset to it where <laughs> All of the people who made children's movies were like, let's, let's uh, have less fairies and more PTSD. Like it was oh, just great <laughs> dark garbage for like 10 years. Um, so it came out and like people still didn't like it. But Walter Merge, <laughs> Walter, Walter Merge never made another movie for the rest of his life. <laughs> And it sucks too because like you can't even fully blame it on him because uh like he's not fully responsible for the ideas in it. The guy who like wrote the fucking books 
L. Frank Baum or whatever, like yeah. made all that shit up. Uh, and it was largely material that like was great for children in 1900 when he wrote it. Cause like to be, to be a kid in like 1900 was to die, you know? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Whereas like to be a kid <laughs> yeah. in 1985. You're that story. You're, you're one of the very, very lucky. <laughs> Yeah, um, the kids in 1985, like they were like to to do that was to love Ronald Reagan. Like it wasn't <laughs> appropriate <laughs> to uh, to have that content in your media, um, and also like L. Frank Baum, like uh, <laughs> consistently wrote about um, like advocating for the genocide of all Native Americans. <laughs> so, Did he really? Like, yeah, dude. It's like, yeah, that was a big thing of his. That was a, yeah, that was that was wow. like kind of his thing. Um, but well, okay, but but he was also a huge advocate for, say it with me, the women's suffrage movement. Wow, so, there we go. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta weigh the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah, Frank. Frank was Frank loved girl bosses. He loved. That's why we have Dorothy. That's why. That's why she needs electroshock therapy mm. because she's a dumb broad. Obviously. Who? <laughs> um, <laughs> there is this video, uh, like interview, of him basically breaking down, like just the aftermath of it, uh, and and it. <laughs> he was like, you know, I was. He says I was a little discombobulated. <laughs> <laughs> which first of all <laughs> using that word isn't that's not a good sign for me that's not gonna put me on your side but he was like i was a little discombobulated when people uh were saying it was an extremely terrifying disturbing film uh and i have some ideas now after 30 years why i think that could be what happened um you know <laughs> he goes on to be like the robot uh is an actual robot and not a man dressed as a robot, which is scary. Um, <laughs> pumpkins, pumpkins are made to scare you on Halloween, so you know that's that's scary. The gnomes are scary. Gnomey <laughs> the witch is scary, particularly because she has the ability to change her heads at will. Like he lists <laughs> all of these things, <laughs> but then follows it up by like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what people took from it that was so terrifying, but. Uh, um, you know. I I do find like the character design and everything in that movie to be very cool. The like the pumpkin head guy I thought was really cool looking, and like it it has a very like cool style that is absolutely terrifying. Well, Dan, that movie was made for you and you only uh i mean like i i hear what you're saying like the production design is definitely like pretty substantial um oh i mean i i have to touch on this for for any listener uh watching or listening <laughs> um I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't talk about Return to Oz without mentioning the um I don't know what they're called, but the guys on the rollerblades. You know what I'm talking about, Dan? I don't know the name either. I, mean, I don't Google think they. I think they're nameless. <laughs> they they yeah, don't they deserve having a, a label. Um, but there are these. Pull up a picture. 
they they are like the essential villain and i mean you can you could argue the essential villain is like mumby the witcher or oh they're just called wheelers yeah the, okay so they're, they're like a version of the flying monkeys or whatever but uh, 10 times terrifying where they are these dudes who have extended arms and legs that are on rollerblades um kind of like a if a car was a person yeah uh, that's a good way to put it and they are agile <laughs> like whoever these dudes are they must have fucking trained for that like i would i would love to uh sit in on like a training session for these dudes learning how to be these real villains um I imagine it was a skill that they would have had going into it or would have needed again after. Nobody has that skill going into it. That's not <laughs> a skill they teach you in school. That's not a skill you, you learn upon your own boredom. That's a skill no one should have. Like they had to put a lot of effort into figuring out that posture, that movement, all of that. I want to try it. I really want to try it. I think it looks, I think it looks like it could be really fun uh, if if the connotation of it now wasn't um, horrifying villains chasing a little girl, yeah, um, into, it, yeah. Into, yeah, into the woods, I I think I would like to pursue that. But um, uh, but yeah, so merch is <laughs> merch's whole like fucking life just got ruined by this movie, um, and he like goes on in the interview to. <laughs> he's trying to find the silver lining so he's like you know i'm approached uh by many people who are like 38 years old and and they tell me you know they were terrified of of my film but that but that they loved it like you can you can tell he's like making up (laughs) like the second part that they said (laughs) Which is also like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like, this, are, this movie are, scarred me for life. Yeah, <laughs> like are individuals walking up to you on the street? <laughs> Walter Merch, the extremely recognizable <laughs> sound <laughs> editor from <laughs> forty years ago. <laughs> a thirteen-year-old person would have been two years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, which is also like, are they walking up and saying like, "Hi, I'm thirty-eight, and I I have some fucking." <laughs> yeah. I have some fucking long-standing beef with you, sir. Um, yeah, I'm years old, and you're the reason I'm like this. Yeah, um, I'm gonna start just telling people my age as I introduce myself <laughs> in this portfolio. Hi, I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of everything you say after that can only work for you or against you. It really, it really depends. On, oh, that's so good. On the argument about to be made. Um, but um oh the, okay the one Excuse the one last me, sir i'm 27 <laughs> um the one last thing i want to talk about about this movie um is that he later brings on george lucas to like i don't know, pretend to produce it or whatever so george lucas is just like around on set all the time um and he comes out i don't think he really did much i think he just like walked around trying to find like a snack bar or like a wife or something and uh eventually he ran into this dude robert mccallum um and they like got talking they became friends and then they uh created all of the star wars uh prequels oh wow yeah so without what you're saying is without yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can thank return to oz for um 
all of the Star Wars George prequels. Binks. Yeah, you can thank you, you can thank all of the Wheeler men for Jar Jar Binks. They were the. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's amazing! So yeah. you would feel worried about that? I feel yes. so fucking worried. I recently rewatched it because I really like. I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid. I saw it a couple times as a kid because I think for some reason it was the only fucking VHS my aunt owned or something. So <laughs> I just watched it all the time. And it was so fucking scary, um, and I rewatched it recently with somebody and who had never seen it before and it was like I really like I had been avoiding it for so long because I really have like these weird terrors and like actual memories from it but but that was the weird thing is that like there were scenes in the movie that I remember so vividly like I could tell you where objects were located where there was like a big window like whatever and then I watched the fucking movie (laughs) And that scene wasn't in there. There was no... (laughs) I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for it to show up. Like the one scene that's like singed into my brain and it never came. So is there like a VHS director's cut out there somewhere? Dude, that's what I... Yeah, I know. I was like, am I like missing something? Is, Is the YouTube bootleg version not giving me like this one pivotal scene that I have in my brain? Or am I just fucking crazy? from being a child and watching this shit. I don't know. Worm display into your brain and affected other memories that were actually the memory? Yeah. yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past that. And I will blame Walter Merch for that. I think, I think he edited my brain. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very good editor. He's Oscar nominated. Exactly. He, if he can do it with... Uh, you know, Godfather, he can do it with me. That's all I'm saying. He can do it for Easy peasy. (laughs) What if, what if Walter Murch is the guy that creates the Manchurian candidate because he can edit people's brains, but instead (laughs) he fucks up and only puts Return to Oz in there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, considering how enthusiastic he was to direct that movie uh, and how it's now plagued the rest of his life and he wakes up every day thinking about his mistakes. But he gave what's her name a career, so I think that's important. Um, She's got a hard name to pronounce, but she plays Dorothy because I looked it up. Oh, um, I don't think she got that famous. Feruza Balk. Yeah, she was big in. She was in that movie, uh, The the Craft. Oh, you're right. But I don't think I would have pulled that in a million years. Nineties things. She's a nineties person. She's in a bunch of stuff. God love her. I don't know how she came away from that movie, like, not wanting to... Unscathed. Yeah, shoot herself. Fucking strong girl. Yeah, strong not, girl. Not the same for me. That's that's amazing. I'm going to try to track... You said it was on YouTube, right? Like a bootleg version it is of on YouTube, on YouTube. But let this be a warning to you. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't even fucking do it. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it is an important piece of cinema for people to experience. I really do. I think a lot of trash, terrifying '80s cinema is critical for people to sit through because it is. It just is uh, a hollow chamber of really not okay things to to ever write. Oh yeah, my dad's a big fan of schlock. I grew up with just pure schlock. Yeah, Um, everybody should have to experience that. Is my belief. That's fair. So, George, Dan, 
thing on PM. No, no, Dan, you first, because I uh, don't want, uh, I can't, I mean, no one's going to be able to top the fucking legacy of Walter fucking blur bark. Merch. Mine's more general, I guess, in that. That don't the, matter. The first thing that jumped <laughs> to mind that makes me worried is like anytime I'm watching a nature documentary. Mm. I feel like, especially with like more modern ones, because there's always a moment where they're like, look how beautiful it all is. Take in the splendor. It'll all be gone soon. <laughs> I can't watch nature documentaries purely because uh, I think in like middle school, they played a bunch of them. And there was always one animal that just got his shit taken out. Oh, and absolutely. it. It felt it's like I think in the planet Earth, there's an episode where it's like the city one and a jaguar just steals a pig <clears throat> from the center of a city somewhere. Yeah. And because of that, I can't watch it. It makes me uh, nervous. Like I, I was watching Disney's Bears, which is very country fun. Bears? Country yeah. Bears is arguably more terrifying. Country Bears Jamboree. <laughs> oh, that's a great <laughs> nature, nature documentary. <laughs> <laughs> The way they really the captured the Sahara in that is, yeah. <laughs> is unmatched. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Disney's there. Oh. There's like all the, you're just tracking a mom and her two cubs. And the whole thing's narrated by John C. Riley, which makes it seem more playful than it is. Because like you're, you're seeing them like avoid an avalanche. Isn't and, John C. Riley in the Country Bears? Oh, he might be. I have no idea. <laughs> Isn't he in there? Country Bears. I'm going to look that up because that would be the coolest publicity move for him to like promote country bears by doing Disney's nature bears. Yeah. He, he voices three different characters. It's like Milo Notice style where like the one guy does the voices for all of the things that are happening. So he, he's doing that for a mom and her two cubs. And like at one point the cub almost drowns. They're being stalked by a wolf. And like it all feels like oh light and fun because the music is usually kind of chipper and then it's John C. Riley being goofy, but you're watching just nature take its course and like the whole time you're like these cubs are going to die. I kind of love it. I mean, I don't, I don't watch nature. <laughs> <laughs> I also realize how it's probably like not um, really. Uh, fair for me to shit all over Return to Oz and then be like, no, I love watching just the the raw passion of animals killing each other. Um, but um, I mean, I don't watch nature documentaries often just because I'm like, fucking, I get it. I get how it works. Things kill each other. Fucking big whoop. Show me, uh, you know, fucking, I'd rather watch soap operas. Have you guys ever watched soap operas? Like I actual soap operas? Them. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. Give me a narrative. Mm -hmm. Give me characters. Mm -hmm. Give me, give me, you know, arcs. I want to. <laughs> it's just as it's just as ruthless, you know. It's just well, animals wild, but it's the, the uh, Disney nature documentaries do a very good job of creating characters, and I think that's what makes that it. That is okay. That is true. They basically do make it like into actual animal soap operas. Yeah, they like um, give it names, and everybody is like friends or enemies or like bitter rivals, and yeah. Like, yeah, oh, Meerkat Manor is a fucking classic. I mean, I don't know if you'd count that as a as a nature documentary. It really is a thing of its own, but it, they nailed it with that one right what? off the top. Um, <laughs> they just they're they're not going to do better after that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, documentaries, I think they're 
they're kind of in a weird way I don't feel weird I feel comforted because it's I don't know it's kind of nice to know that the world is still working in the way it's supposed to in those parts of the world where it's just like yeah animals are predators and there's a specific food chain laid out and you know I don't I don't like to watch the babies dying as much but there's something really cathartic about just like murder (laughs) I don't know yeah it's not so much like that part of it of just like nature being nature it's when you inevitably get that part of like look this is how nature operates without man and this is what man is doing to it and man is ruining all of it and you are responsible for the downfall of all these beautiful creatures yes that does make me that, worried. that's where the word that, make, that makes me worried i agree especially like you see like the rainforest ones and all those and like like oh look there's a whole ecosystem of things and likely like hundreds of species that haven't even been like seen or identified and you'll just never know they existed because man existed at the same time and ruined it yep you're welcome (laughs) we did it fucking top of the food chain baby george do you want to jump to yours Uh, i actually um there's one thing and it's it's this it's worried in the way that um, I don't know what's going to happen next, and that bothers me. Uh, but there's an album by a uh, country singer named Tyler Childers, who I'm a big fan of. Okay. Uh, and he re- recently came out with a record called Country Squire. All the songs on it are kind of playful. Like there's like one, maybe two actually like serious songs. Um, but like, there's one that is genuinely about how he goes to a hotel and has this favorite lotion. So he gets nudes from his wife and jerks off in the hotel. That's it a whole song. sick. What? So what funny. Me? Playful. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. great. They're great songs. And then um, I believe Sturgill Simpson produced the record. And every in between every song are these weird sort of like orchestral dissonant tuning interludes to connect every song so if the song changes key there's these weird little like lilts and scary like cinematic noises and then it goes into a song like that and then it'll happen again and then it's about like him riding on his bus to school when he was younger and how he met the love of his life on the bus route and then it'll change to another one and it's like a 70s outlaw country pop song and then it'll do this like weird melty bit so it's these like little in between melted songs that are so uncomfortable that it's very similar to when we discussed uh, we we had our podcast with charles uh blisnick where it's like i don't know how he's supposed to get off stage in time and it makes me nervous i don't every time i listen to that record through i don't know when the next song is going to come in and it makes me so anxious <laughs> they're not uniform at all no like they're in different keys they're in different styles they're in different like emotions every song is completely different and in doing so these little interludes in between everything makes it so uncertain as to what's going to happen i dig it i don't like it, it makes me worried Makes right. me worried. Uh, I, I, I wish I could find like it. some sort of... What? You respect it? 
or you I wish it never it, existed. Obviously. I want to know why. <laughs> like, I just want to know why. Uh, like, if you listen to the first Smiths album, not the first Smiths album, I think it's The Queen is Dead. There's a song called Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others. And in the beginning of that song, uh, you hear the song swell in with a ton of reverb and then it drops down and then it slowly opens again. And that apparently, like if you Google it, you dig deep enough into the internet, you'll find that the producer wanted it to sound like someone opened up a door, closed it because they heard the band was playing and then slowly opened it to see what was going on again. To like create some sort of like auditory story with the song but the song has the most ridiculous dumbest lyrics in the world but there's reasons for it like there there was an explanation as to why they did that what they were going for like i that- have not found anything other than the album like the guy that uh produced the album and the guy that sings on the album tyler childers both love psychedelics so they wanted to try like something cool and psychedelic but with like funny little jaunts in between the actual weird parts it's almost like the weird parts are the the real story and then the songs themselves are outside of it so like i don't know the, the wow. example, it it almost sounds like they were trying to do something interesting to make a song that really wasn't seem more interesting do you think there's an element of that with that album no because i i believe them I believe in their artistic creativity too much to think it was like, yo, let's just throw this in there just to be kind of weird. Or like, like I think there is a, a, a specific reason uh, to why they were doing that, but I don't know why. And that worries me. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the lack of knowledge that I don't like. Yeah, but that's cool. Bothers me. It is cool. It's a good record. Everyone should listen to it. Cause like well, that's cool too, cause the first the music song doesn't often make you like, I don't know question things in like an unconventional way like you can listen mm-hmm. you can listen to like baba o'reilly and be like who is baba <laughs> but like it still sounds good like you're not left being like why the fuck did they fucking make that yeah yeah um, <laughs> so George, do, you, do you like that it's there I do like that it's there because it makes it more interesting. It makes you like want to read between the lines and figure out why this is happening. Uh, I also am just a huge fan of his and his music because his first record has sure a couple silly songs here and there, but some of them are actually like pretty heady and very Uh emotional at times. Like his first album is called Purgatory and his first album has a song called Universal Sound. And it's just about him like, sitting out there and listening to like the hum of the neon and the like wind in the trees. And it's all part of this one collective consciousness loves the psychedelics. Um, But then at the same time, there's, you know, a joke song in there about uh, him just doing a ton of blow and drinking a bunch of shit uh, before and after a gig. And it's like, Oh, sorry. I would have been better, but (laughs) not. Uh, (laughs) And then, so like there's these serious moments with funny moments peppered in. And then I feel like every other song showcase his sense of humor. And it's all the emotion is tied up in these little knots that connect all the songs. It feels like you are getting a full sense of the person who is making it. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're getting to see all aspects of like 
what he likes, what he's bringing to the table, what he's about in those various different ways of how the music's presented throughout it. Yeah. And there's just these little MIDI, little, I, I like the term knots because the whole album is continuous. Uh, and I'm sure that had something to do with why they connected all these things together. But it will go from like this very upbeat major key song and then become like the nightmare darkness in between it and then roll into another upbeat major song just in a different key. Like it's it. weird and I love it, but I'm also every time I listen to it, it's unsettling. Hell yeah. And I ride that wave. Yeah. I ride the wave. Yeah. Shaka, bruh. <laughs> Shaka. <laughs> but that's my answer. All right, let's take a break. Let's take a my my answer is I'm worried and shaka, bruh. Dad, we did it. Um, I'll go first. Is uh, mine is very self-serving. The the thing that makes me feel worthy is um, Che's album. Who? Mm. Putting out Che's uh, album. Oh. A temporary summit. That's pretty good. Because uh, I've not heard it. We uh, we got to put that pretty out good. on my record label, Wasted Robot Records, and the the whole process. Because like we had done Mike Brooks's record, which was a very like shoestring budget and DIY everything and pulled it good and it went like super well and we were able to like put out a very like like a really good product and then through that we started getting people like approaching us to like do their albums and like venues were on board with like letting us use their place to record and all that stuff so mm-hmm. we got down to doing chase and we approached punchline and like they were fully on board they they liked what we had done they thought we could do a good job and put their name on it a little bit and it was it was nice made me feel like i did something that we were proud of and we could work with it was good nasty that is pretty cool like you look at i mean for me coming from the background of music and stuff and not really on always knowing that like wow a label that is that is like the thing that we have to aim towards nowadays i don't think a musician's really rely on labels all that often i mean chance the rapper got a grammy and hasn't sold a single thing and has never been or didn't get signed to a label until after the fact yeah um so the label idea of someone from that background and going like yo i felt really good to actually get that done and like get one in to the can have wasted robot zero zero one yeah out there that's something really cool the first one was just like we don't know what we're doing and just hoping that it works out well, but then it did. <laughs> like we, we got very lucky <laughs> to kind of get it right on the first try. We got like matched up with the right people and a lot of people were on board to help us out. And then like it came time to do the second one and it was just like, no, we earned this. Like all the, yeah. all the stuff we put into the first one is paying off. And it felt like, I mean, to use the adjective, <laughs> we felt worthy that like, no, we're yeah. here on purpose. Yeah, for sure. That's a good feel. I think that's uh, that's that's a good feel. That's a that's good that's feel. That's, that's a good feel. That's got the good hashtag good feel. Yeah. Also, everyone go listen to Che's album. It's really good. Right on. I do like Che's album. I, I listened to it driving. I don't know if it was driving down here. Or it was some long road trip, and I and I burned through it. I think like twice. It was just. It's very well done. And he. I always felt really bad because I was working with Snappy Pun 
when he was workshopping that and we had him come like workshop his hour oh at man. the snappy pun at the snappy I, pun uh i was out show. of town when that one was happening and i was so upset oh my god i couldn't get there to see it because it was the first time he was running the hour and then i heard the story and I'll, uh-huh. I'll let you tell it but when i heard the story i was like thank god i wasn't there for that it would have just like ruined my nerves yeah so we asked uh, or che asked i forget how it happened but che wanted to run his album and we were like listen we have this thing we will give you an hour to just let you run your stuff how you can put it open you can let whoever you want open um we made up posters it was going to be a big thing we had a a pretty good turnout for that room because that room is like weird to fill every once in a while we'd get like a really good crowd and then uh it would be like people jam-packed in this was like a comfortable amount of people and then all of a sudden this back row heckled him for an hour and 15 minutes just like it was it got to a point where i had to go tell the woman to please stop facetiming live (laughs) that that, well she wasn't filming the show she was filming herself at the show with her friends she's like what's up we're here we're out here at the comedy show it's great i'm so excited that she was just filming herself there were times where like people were talking to each other in the front row it was insane afterwards i got up and hugged che because i was like you did it and you went i did 20 minutes of actual material the rest of it was fucking with the audience and trying to get them back on track. Damn. Yeah, that's fun, though. I mean, as long as it was, he actually it, had a good it, time. But. Yeah. I, think, I think he found joy in it, but mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where it circled back to being such a ridiculous night of comedy that you ran the gambit of, like, nervous, angry, uh, sad, happy, just through a cycle for an hour and a half that like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Why is this happening? I can't believe I'm going to tell everybody this is happening. Like it was amazing. It was an amazing wreck. Everything about that story. If it like, if the night wasn't supposed to serve the purpose that it was for him, sounds like it would have been like Mm -hmm. the most fun to be a part of as the person on stage. Absolutely. And he handled it so well. And just like yeah, Jay is an amazing guy to like handle crowds. Oh, he's great at it. Yeah, he's great. But yeah, no, that that was an insane time that I will never forget. Of just, ma'am, do, can you please stop facetiming your friend right now? <laughs> There's a show going on. You came here. You spent yeah. the ticket money to see the show. You're here. <laughs> oh my god, insane. Did, I, I feel uh, like the kind of person because I mean that was like a very open door space where I feel like people walking by would just come hang. Is that true? Oh yeah. Was she yeah, just, we had like, neighbors come in like a, for like yeah. three or four weeks. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, this person was like a friend of a friend of Chase who like he had someone that he worked with have their whole family come out and support and they dressed up like they were going to a comedy show at like punchline (laughs) helium they were in like nice dresses they brought it they were like oh my god it's byo we're gonna bring our own liquor this is fantastic and then they showed up to what is now like a storefront in fishtown yeah like it is i think people expected it to be a lot different and when they got there they got way too relaxed (laughs) yeah seems like it uh, so good. But yeah, 
good times and good for you dan for actually like following through and like something that you're worthy of and feel proud of is something that you helped create that you had like your thumb in yeah i'm, I'm very proud of that yeah someday oh, me I and george know. will know what that's like <laughs> it was one of us maybe. one of us maybe one of us might. Our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right uh fun times all right elena what you got um this one was pretty easy for me uh mine I've, <laughs> i'm i'm so worthy <laughs> i was born yeah. worthy yeah this one just pretty much came this one time i pulled a sword from a stone <laughs> <laughs> mine is uh mine is i got a name by jim croce mine's also like mine's like super I feel like I went a little too adorable with this one because it's just like, it's just such a nice song, dude. Come on. It he's really got is. He's got a song. He's got a dream. Uh, it's just, it's, I will say it's like one of the only songs to this day that like will come on and like I'll feel my heart start to um, get bigger in my chest, like the fucking Grinch. <laughs> um, and it like kind of hurts it like hurts listening to the song but in like a way that like <laughs> feels so good because it's like it's, it's it's got it all you can you can cry to it you can dance to it a little you can you can probably fuck to it if you're in like a really troubling relationship um and uh <laughs> yeah, if it comes on and you don't feel like stopping <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's, or no, I, I would, I would just put it on. I would, I would, I would stop yeah. having sex. This and is, hold on. This is on the sexy playlist. For yeah. <laughs> I mean, personally, I think the way that I prefer to listen to it um, is to just get into the ocean and see how far I can float away before, before I get nervous. That's how. I, that's how I like the song to be transmitted to me. Um, but it's just like. I don't know, because it will. It also, I kind of wonder if the song would be as profound if the dude hadn't died. I think about that, but also, like, I don't really believe that. I think it's just like one of those, like, fucking soul songs. Um, he was relatively appreciated in his time. So I feel like it gets, like, blown up more because he did die, but it, like, has, a, it has a legacy kind of to it for sure. Um, it's also like super fucking sad because like the single came out, like it was set to come out the day after he died. So it's like he fucking died. And then a day later it came out. Oh, I didn't realize that was the time like, song specifically. Wow. Which is just like crushing, uh, yeah. super fucking crushing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that makes, I think that makes it more powerful. Um, I did. I did learn. Here's why, like, if you like something, you should just never look into it. Like, if you're a fan of a band, if you're a fan of an actor, <laughs> a painter from the 1800s, like, never yeah, search them because you're going to find something that disappoints you and ruins it just a little bit for you. <laughs> Nothing could fully ruin the song for me. I think it's, I think it's a gorgeous song. Um, but I did find out that Jim Croce did not write it. Oh, really? Which, yeah, which, which <laughs> fucking blows. I mean, like, 
there's nobody else that could have performed it better. I, I th- well, maybe like Rihanna, but um, no, it was written by two dudes. It was um, Rihanna, the Jim Croce of the new millennium. <laughs> Rihanna, the Jim Croce story. Um, 30 for 30. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was written by the, like the music was the guy who did the theme for the love boat. And the lyrics were written by another dude <laughs> did, like, a bunch of um, lyrics for, so- like, mostly, like, movie songs. Like, this was written for a movie called, like, something like The Last American or something, like, The Last That's Hero. And it's yeah. about, it's, like, just a NASCAR movie with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and this dude also, <laughs> I think he wrote, he wrote, um... I looked it up. He also did um, uh, songs for Johnny Dangerously. Um, the the I mean the classic Where's Papa, um, Lady in the Tramp Two Scamps Adventure, uh, and Click. He did songs for all of them. All of them. It was like devastating to know that this like incredibly impactful song of like the twentieth century was not written by like one of the coolest like you know people to die young whatever you want to call it it was just written by like two guys mm. who like were paid to just do this shit for you know we gotta bust out a song real quick yeah like pretty much that's um, crazy i'm i'm looking at other songs that the guy wrote norman gimbal yeah yeah he, he wrote killing me softly which is one of the Best songs that I absolutely hate. <laughs> yeah, like the dude is definitely talented, but like I mean, I've always I've always been kind of interested in like you know like the hidden songwriters of like because I don't know like we do attribute great songs to their artists as being like the sole inventors of every word, every like you know musical note to it, and like yeah. I think for most of history that's not true that at all. Um, so it definitely twists the perspective but like i think that's a good thing yeah, anything that happens in like a singer songwriter genre you usually assume that he is the one who wrote it yeah and it doesn't, it doesn't take say, away from jim croce like he's still a because he was just he was just like a fucking normal dude he was just like a construction worker who got a degree from villanova and then was like i'm gonna sing songs about love in like a really timeless but also fleeting and fragile way. And uh, I'm also going to sing songs about a cool fucking guy I made up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to write about <laughs> the dude of all time. Wait till you, and like, wait till you fucking car wash. I'm going to be the only dude who's ever able to make the car wash sad. I'm going to brush it. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's still a fucking legend, but. Now Norman Gimbel is the real you gotta man be behind the curtain here, huh? <laughs> I, I think you got to be a legend if you uh, have Philadelphia comedian Scott Armstrong get a tattoo of you <laughs> on your back. Did he right? do that? He is a crochet. Oh, guy? yeah. You've never seen. Yeah. Uh, Scott Armstrong Scott just has a, body. a Jim Croce tattoo of him playing oh. guitar on his back. So we lost Elena. <laughs> the only guest we've had walk out on our show. He <laughs> was so offended at the thought of Scott Armstrong's body. <laughs> the last thing she said before her computer died was, no, I haven't seen Scott Armstrong's 
body, and then everything went dark. <laughs> yeah, we lost her after that. Oh well, we can wrap it up here. Uh, my thing was um, we actually talked about it a little bit on uh, the Alex Yang episode. But the thing that makes me feel worthy is uh, the Virtute the Cat series. I just oh, yeah. sent it to you before we logged on. I, I, I was when I first heard start to finish today for the first time. I've heard I think two of those songs. Yeah. I don't think I ever listened with the idea that they were connected. But uh, yeah, yeah. I was, and I didn't even I, know that the first song on that playlist is connected, but it does work. Yeah, I always thought it was four songs. Turns out it is five songs, uh, written by either the band The Weaker Thans or uh, the solo project of the singer The Weaker Than, John K. Sampson, who we've talked about in a previous episode. And it's the story of a cat or a gentleman. It's this guy who uh, is clearly dealing with some um, uh, substance abuse problems and depression. Uh, and he finds a cat and starts feeding the cat. And uh, a lot of the songs are written in the perspective of the cat looking at him, trying to convince him just like get off the couch. Uh, and like part of one of the lyrics in the songs is, um, I know you're strong. It's like a reoccurring thing. Yeah. That, that is cat like a cat telling him, like, I know you're better than this. Yeah. That cat like really wants to help. Um, and at a certain point in my life, I've never, I can honestly say I never had like any issues with substance abuse, but I do suffer from depression and uh, different emotional things, uh, which is a terrible way to describe depression. Um, <laughs> you know, I got some emotions. Just feeling heavy. <laughs> I feel. I feel, um, but these songs hit a place at a certain time where like, mm -hmm. fuck, if even this cat gets me, uh, maybe I can do better myself. Yeah. At and least there's if you, if you need that. to, if you need to just really want to get a good sob in those five, those five tracks, uh, are really, really just incredible stuff. Um, yeah, I thoroughly they, recommend it. They span over the course of four different albums, and it's just one little nuggets here and there, and they're it was all weird great. How seamlessly they track together, being so mm -hmm. spread apart across like a career. It's like that that playlist of just the five is such a smooth playlist that like you're hearing a full story, and then you get to the end of it, and you're like, "Wow, this was yeah. beautiful." Yeah, absolutely beautiful, and it's something that like if you if you can look past like that first layer of this is sad. This is a sad story. Yeah, Look past it and think of it as a happy story, a story of knowing your own worth. Yeah. It's one of the best, one of the best things out there. But yeah, I think we can leave it there. Uh, we had a, we had a guest walk out. Yeah. Uh, so all in all, I think we've done a great job. Actually, it's technically the, the, the second time because I'm pretty sure Meg gets wanted to walk out that one time when she got real mad at us. Uh, but she's, yeah terribly mean oh, yeah. so she's so mean um your girlfriend is awful to me um yeah it's but well anyway done. that's the show <laughs> i'd like to thank our guests for turning up for 89 percent of the podcast uh elena clune is the best pod off theater crashed and the last thing she said was no i haven't seen scott armstrong's body Oh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna message Scott and see if uh, we can make that a shirt. Oh, that'd be great. I honestly, that might be the first one we sell because I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna buy all three once I'm working again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I might I might get that one right away. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we already have three. We have we have Iggy Pup on there too.
We have Iggy Pop on one, which I'm surprised I haven't bought yet. I bought one of my friend's uh, T-shirts last night because he's a, I think I've told, talked about him on the show, but uh, he's an older kid that would drive us to band practice in his shitty car. He was like significantly older. Like we were probably 16 and he was pushing 30. Oh wow! But he was like a he was like a friend of our guitarist's brother, who was a big part of like the music scene in the town we grew up in. Okay. But he was a but he was a rapper because oh. we didn't have a big enough scene uh, in that town in that area to have like a punk scene and a hardcore scene. So every show that we would do in the town I grew up in would be like us, two hardcore bands, his rap crew, and then like a metal band. That sounds like way more fun than if it was like. Oh, it's so much fun! I love, I, I love the shows I grew up going to. Uh, but we would like go record at his friend's house that was, you know, a bedroom rapper before that was a thing. Like he took all his clothes out of his closet, loaded it with uh, egg crate foam, and then made that the vocal booth. Oh, that's awesome! And so we would record all our stuff. Like we'd push amps into that little room and everything. It was great. That's um, awesome. I love but, DIY stuff like that. Yeah, it was this whole DIY thing because both all, all the rappers that were in that town all came from like the hardcore DIY scene. So they were all in hardcore bands and going to uh, shows at VFW halls back in like the late 90s when hardcore was having this resurgence. Um, so they were doing that. <laughs> and then like these shitty indie rock pop punk kids are like, hey, we want to cut a record and we're 13 and they're like uh we, we have to teach you <laughs> and they just took <laughs> us under a wing but he wound up teaming up with um these guys called the demigods who are a pretty big uh rap crew uh this is apathy and self-titled are their names okay. um and uh he's like their hype man so every time they like roll through philly at like the voltage lounge or something i go see him and it's just my friend damn running around the stage, smiling, being the flavor flave of the demigods. Oh my god, that's awesome. But right now, like, he's not touring, because he does that, and he's a hype man for a ska band, which I love so oh, much. Oh, even better. <laughs> I'll send you them. Um, I want to do that job. That's such a fun job. He loves his job. <laughs> I want to be like the like the Mighty Mighty Boston's dancer, like the... Yeah, that's what he does. Guy. He runs around. There's a couple tracks on their last record that they came out with that they like let him do hype stuff in the background and sing a couple lines here and there. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> They're just like, oh, we got to throw Dan a bone. <laughs> I want that oh. job so bad. That's good. But yeah, but he's selling a bunch of merch that he has left over because he had to cancel a bunch of shows. Uh, so he like sold merch over uh, Instagram Live last night. And I was like, do you have that last shirt in an extra large because it was the only one that's my size because I'm fat now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the episode um, where we lost Elena halfway through. Yeah, It was great. It honestly could have been a better spot. <laughs> uh, I want I want the Scarred Off Strong t-shirt. I want oh, yeah. it. I'll, I'll make it a mug if I have to. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it a mug, use it every day, not tell Scott I have a mug with his name. <laughs> No, g- gift it to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Just be in their house and be like, what is this? 
No, I think that might be funnier. Just don't tell anything, but we start building up this community of uh, the Scott Armstrong community that yeah. he is completely unaware of. The, I haven't seen Scott Armstrong's body community. <laughs> <laughs> we get his girlfriend in on it. It'll be great. Oh, man. This is definitely going to uh, happen. So that was the show. Uh, a lot of fun with Elena. Uh, I just, I'm still not over that. I forgot about that ending, and I we come back to that ending, and I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of the better things we've stumbled on so far. It's just, it's just one of those podcast magic things. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Dan, why don't you uh, tell people where to find us and find you? Uh, you can find us, Feel Feelings Pod, on everything. Find us on Twitter. We haven't done anything on Twitter, but we could start doing that. Uh, Instagram is where we are mostly. That's Feel Feelings Pod. Uh, email is feelfeelingspod at gmail. If you go to our anchor site, you can send us messages. Please send oh, us Oh, yeah. Messages. Please do that. Prank call us. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be about feelings or the show that you liked or a feeling that you think we should do. Like, do some really weird bit. Yeah, we're we're changing up the format a little bit. We'll have a little extra space for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, help it help us out. Fill it up. Do it up. You can find me um, at, at Bruderman, spelled phonetically. I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet. Um, you can listen to my music, fightforyourfriends.com. Or not .com. I don't have the .com. Never <laughs> going to buy a .com. Uh, you can type in fight for your friends and stuff and search that. Uh, Dan is everywhere as well. Yep. So Andy you can follow us separately. Everything. Um, and that's going to be the episode, guys. As always, if you ever want to talk about something, call us, reach out. We're always willing to talk. Uh, have a great week. Not doing um, anything else. Feel free to reach out. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're so bored. Guys, we're so bored. But that's the show, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good and stay safe. Uh, don't look at Scott Armstrong's body. Hot out. Get feelings.